If you don't know me, my name's Clay Sherman, and I'm going to move all this stuff before I do anything else. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, good morning. Cool. Um, Yeah, my name's Clay Sherman, and I am one of the pastors here at Northeast Church. I, um, I work in our track ministry which is a ministry that we're building to reach young adults who have chosen a route alternative to college. And while I'm up here, I thought it might be helpful if I uh, could just share a few examples of the occupations that some of our members of track are uh, currently doing. Um, Mostly just because I like to, when I have the mic, I want to color up a little bit about what we're doing in in this track ministry. Uh, Because I I know that um, we've been doing it for a few years, but it can still seem new to some of you. Um, so our members in track, uh, we, we have a couple of automotive mechanics. We have an assistant manager at a plant nursery. We have a couple photographers. We have a vet tech, a construction project manager, an EMT, and a, a pre-K teacher, and um, other various jobs as well, like uh, my buddy Braden Tyndall, He's the cute guy who washes your boat at the marina in Lake Ray Hubbard. So that's, uh, that's what he does. And uh, to be clear, the track ministry has college graduates and students in it. And we, we believe that education or lack thereof is obviously not a reason for creating factions within the body of Christ. Just as age or ethnicity should not be barriers to community. Amen. However, our aim in creating a ministry that might seem narrowly focused is to make a space for our target demographic to find a community of Christians that they can relate to. And as a ministry, we also put an emphasis on the importance of participation in the body of Christ. And we encourage the men and women of track to attend church here. So if you see someone you don't know, introduce yourself. They might be one of the members of track trying to decide if this Sunday morning church thing is for them. In summary, we have a shared goal with the Northeast Church and that we want to make and mature disciples to the glory of God. And my hope is that track will be a place where hearts are turned to God and lives are changed. Amen? Amen. Well, that's my plug. I'm not preaching about track today. Um, I've actually been asked to continue our series on the practicals, and I'm sure... If you're visiting here, you might have thought that I was just making another announcement, but we have actually made it to the sermon. (laughs) So praise God for that. I'm personally just waiting on the day uh, that we finally give in and just dedicate an entire service to yay time. Because, I mean, I used to not get it, but now when I show up, I'm like, all right, whose birthday is it? You know, who ran a half marathon? I'm into that. So today's topic is uh, the practicals of outreach, and I was warned by Kale that if my sermon is not practical enough, Garrett will make fun of me. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, But practicals of outreach. Yeah, if you don't know me, I'm a very practical guy. So practical, in fact, that if my wife would let me, my phone would be on my hip in a holster right now. (laughs) However, you know, she's kind of ruling over me. That's kind of her deal. I mean, I'm talking, that's convenient. That's practical. Boom. <laughs> this is Clay. Uh, needless to say, 
uh, if your phone is in a holster on your hip right now, I envy you. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I wasn't uh, exactly sure how to structure this sermon uh, because, one, I don't, I don't preach very often, and this is, something, this is something that doesn't come supernaturally to me. You know, I'm not just getting up here just overflowing with confidence. Uh, but also, I feel like a, a sermon on practicals could turn out just like really boring and seem like a list of to-dos. Uh, so to avoid that, I'll be spending most of my time here today reminding you all why outreach is important. And my hope is that this sermon will not be received as a moralistic exhortation to try harder, but rather a call to live by faith in the work of Christ. So I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and then I'll say a prayer for us, and then I'm going to move on to the why behind outreach. And then I'm going to wrap up with just like a few practical things that I think are good to do, and then hopefully that will be sufficient for Garrett. Um, Okay, so call me crazy. Um, I personally don't think we're at risk here of becoming too formal. Uh, So uh, I want, yeah, I mean, a guy is preaching right now in a shirt with a collar on it. Y'all have not seen that in a while. So, uh, uh, I mean, Kale's been up here wearing leggings, women's (laughs) leggings. (laughs) But, um, joggers. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. That wasn't in my notes, but... uh, Okay, yeah, so call me crazy, but I want to invite all of you to stand with me as I read the Word of God. We don't typically do this here, but I think it's appropriate to show reverence to God and His revelation as we, the people of God, come together to learn from Him. I don't know if y'all noticed, but even when, when Mark was talking about ushers, he had to put ushers in air quotes. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, after I read the scripture, I'm going to say a prayer. And if you're feeling bold, uh, go ahead and lift your hands in prayer to God. So these are the words of our Lord Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Pray with me. Father in heaven, help us to believe the things that you have promised. Make us a people with pure hearts, wholly devoted to you. You are the God who comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Fill us with wisdom, humility, and courage to serve you in the great commission that you have set before us. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Great. You may be seated. Thanks for doing that. So initially, uh, when I was assigned this topic, my mind immediately went to evangelism. Like when I thought of outreach, I, I, I just thought of, yeah, sharing the gospel, um, you know, trying to meet with unbelievers and desiring to see people come to Christ. Uh, but Kale um, 
I was talking to him last week, and he thought that outreach could also mean like service or, or our church's effort to meet the needs of others. So um, if, if you're looking for ways to serve others, I just have one super simple uh, practical for you, and that's just ask around for opportunities. Um, this, this church is not lacking in, in people who are serving others and, and leading initiatives to meet physical, tangible needs. Um, so if that's what comes to mind for you for outreach and um, yeah, you're, you're looking for opportunities, simply just ask around. If you're looking for a way to serve the poorest of the poor in the world, talk to Josh Wallace and uh, ask him about why you should be giving money to the ministry that we're supporting in India. If you're looking to meet a local need, I would be happy to share with you uh, what my friend Miss Hattie is doing. Uh, she's giving out diapers to, to moms and, and grandmothers in need in South Dallas. Yeah, so be bold. Ask around, and uh, the, the opportunities are abundant in that area. Moving on, I would like to speak about outreach as it pertains to seeking and saving the lost. And let's start with the why before we move on to the what. We need to know why we're doing what we're doing before we jump to the what to do. Otherwise, we run the risk of being selfishly motivated and working to earn the favor of God rather than being obedient to what he has commanded of us. So why outreach? We want to reach the nations to see people brought into right relationship with the living God. Amen? Our efforts to reach people for Christ can help them to see God and His creation for what they really are. And this passage of Scripture from Matthew 28 that we read together wasn't written in isolation. It's part of the broader narrative of the Bible, and it's helpful if we set this passage in its proper place as we discuss what outreach should look like for this church. So if you'll follow along with me, um, I'm going to read you just a quick short story. This is from uh, Tim Keller's book, just called Preaching. <clears throat> God created the world and created us to serve and enjoy him in the world he had made. But human beings turned away from serving him. They sinned and marred themselves and the creation. Nevertheless, God promised to not abandon them, though it was his perfect right, but to rescue them despite the guilt and condemnation they were under and despite their flawed hearts and character. To do this, first God called out one family into the world to know him and to serve him. Then he grew that family into a nation and entered into a binding personal covenant relationship with them and gave them his law to guide their lives. The promise of blessing, if they obeyed it, and a system of offerings and sacrifices to deal with their sins and failures. However, human nature is so disordered and sinful that despite all these privileges and centuries of God's patience, even his covenant people who had received the law, promises, and sacrifices turned away from him. It looked hopeless for the human race. But God became flesh and entered the world of time, space, and history. He lived a perfect life, but then he went to the cross to die. 
When he was raised from the dead, it was revealed that he had come to fulfill the law with his perfect life, to offer the final sacrifice, taking the curse that we deserved and thereby securing the promised blessings for us by free grace. Now those who believe in him are united with God despite our sin, and this changes the people of God from a single nation state into a new international multi-ethnic fellowship of believers in every nation and culture. We can now serve him and our neighbor as we wait in hope for Jesus to return and renew all creation, sweeping away death and suffering. This is why outreach matters. We don't simply want all people to be involved with a church because they'll have a good group of friends and live an enjoyable and morally upright life. These things can be a byproduct of the Christian life, but we ought to long to see the mission of God realized because we believe that's the plan for all of creation. If this Sunday morning service is all that you're inviting someone into, you're not going to be very motivated to invite them into it. And if your only involvement with this Christian community is this Sunday morning service, then you ought to rethink your level of involvement. Because this isn't all that we have to offer. I would argue that the odds are not stacked against you when you're trying to reach out to someone you know is not a Christian or someone who claims to be a Christian and yet is not involved in a local church. Look at what you have to offer. First and foremost, you have the peace of God in Christ Jesus to offer those who are without a saving faith. And moreover, you have the family of God to invite people into. You're inviting someone into love and purpose and functionality and friendship. Amen? We've been commanded to outreach to the nations. Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. Now, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that he commanded. When we go out, we have a 100% success rate if we're being obedient to God. What Jesus didn't say was now, therefore, go and and proselytize the nations and make many converts. Otherwise, you will not be allowed into heaven. He commanded us to be obedient to him. And he said, those who love me will keep my commands. That's John 14. And I would also like to note, and this is uh, this might be touchy here. um, I would like to note that Jesus didn't say, now, therefore, extroverts, go and make disciples because you're going to have to pull the weight of the introverts. Um, You know, and this is kind of a a side note here, but um, yeah, I would just say be careful about wearing the introvert status as a badge of honor, Um, you know, because, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that will that will fly with Jesus when he comes looking for your fruit. And also, as an encouragement, how much more glorifying to God is it 
when you serve him by doing something that makes you uncomfortable, like preaching. Uh, And trust me, I know that taking a relationship beyond the surface level can be a daunting task. And the risk of a relationship taking an awkward turn is always going to be there. But is Jesus who he says he is? Is he worth being the person that might be ostracized for being a little too Christian? Is Jesus worth navigating through a clunky conversation with someone that you know is an unbeliever? Is it worth it to you to open the door in conversation at the risk of maybe being a little awkward or uncomfortable momentarily for the sake of being the only person who is asking someone about their spiritual life? Our concern shouldn't first be what are the relational consequences of this, but rather what would be faithfulness. Our concern shouldn't be what are the relational consequences of this, but rather what would be faithfulness. And I want to remind you that you don't have the power to change hearts, but Jesus does. Amen? The Apostle Paul wrote, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. So do we have eyes to see? Do we see those around us who don't call Jesus Lord as the people that are perishing? I keep up with this pastor. His name's Joe Boot. And he'll often say that we have ecclesiasticized the Bible. I don't even, I think that he kind of made that word up. But uh, meaning that we have made it applicable only to the confines of the church. But that's not the case. The word of God and the God that it speaks of are applicable to all people and all spheres of our life. So I want to encourage you to speak the truth of God faithfully, but don't do so in selfish expectation. I think it was Garrett one time uh, was preaching about how we're addicted to the fruit. It's like we want to have the fruit. And uh, yeah, it's natural that we would want to see the fruit of our labor, but that's not what is promised to us. Uh, Peter was successful when 3,000 were saved at Pentecost, and Paul was successful when they ran him out of town and stoned him. Um, and I can confidently preach this sermon on outreach to this church because I know that we are largely equipped to do ministry here Uh, and that we have a lot of untapped potential here in these seats and that should be exciting with that being said I just have two simple points that I will uh, present to you as we wrap up. First point is so abundantly, and then the second point would be so intentionally, and then I'll have some little practicals in there as well. So abundantly, and I'm talking about sowing, like sowing seeds, in case you're unfamiliar. I think a perfect example of this in our church uh, that, we, that we can look to as a model for us uh, is Bob Brown. 
inviting Josh Kraft to our church. This is such a neat example. Uh, Bob reached out to his, uh, who was his coworker, then Josh, and also a young man who is significantly younger than him. Uh, those can be like two spheres that we think are untouchable. It's like people outside of our generation or like the workplace. Like I can't do spiritual stuff at my workplace. Um, and I was asking Josh how, how this came about. And he was telling me that it was just a known thing amongst their coworkers that Bob was a Christian. And uh, if you don't know, they were doing like underground power lines and overhead power lines. So it's not like this was like a super spiritual environment. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a, a breeding ground for like spiritual conversations. They, Bob was crafting this. So when Josh shared that he was looking for a church, he was directed to Bob because Bob had his lamp on a stand. <clears throat> and when he had the opportunity to influence a young man, he invited him not only into relationship with himself, but he brought him into the family of God. Amen. And praise God for it. Now we've seen Josh get baptized and become a deeply committed man of God with good friends and mothers and fathers in the faith. Amen. Praise God. <clears throat> So abundantly. So I, have a, I also have a farming story for this practical. I'm just kind of taking stabs at whatever makes these points stick. So I, if you don't know, um, my wife and I used to manage a vegetable farm. And uh, one of the things that we would sell at market uh, was carrots. And if you've never seen a carrot seed, it's tiny. It's like carrot seeds are like dust. Um, and when it came time to seed our carrots... We had about a quarter acre that we were going to be planting by hand. And I personally was not about to be seeding these things one at a time. Um, so being a biblically minded farmer, I was sowing these seeds abundantly, very abundantly. And uh, so abundantly that when the weather cooled off and the carrots began to sprout, we had a new problem. Uh, carrots were sprouting everywhere. <laughs> they were sprouting in the road. They were in the pig pen. Um, I'm talking like if there was dirt like stuck on your truck, a carrot seed would like <laughs> get in there and sprout, you know. Um, that sounded country. That was so country. <laughs> um, however, in the raised beds where we wanted to, them to grow, there were too many carrots planted too closely together, and we knew that these sprouts were going to need to be thinned out and moved to other places in the garden if we wanted them to grow to a size good for harvest. And what a wonderful problem this would be to have as a result of your outreach efforts. Imagine if you had so many people responding to your ministry efforts that you needed to pass them off to other members in our church to disciple them. So be bold. Ask someone that you barely know or you've only just met if they would want to get together sometime. These are going to be my short practicals. I would say be openly Christian. Be willing to give a reason for the hope that is within you. If you have friends that your relationship is mostly surface level, a good question you could ask is, do you ever think about spiritual things? 
I would say remember the names of people who serve you. That's worked well for me. If you go to somewhere, go somewhere consistently, if you go get a coffee at the same place, if you eat at the same place, remember the names of people. Um, calling somebody by their name is a huge deal. Uh, people love that. And it, it, do, it actually does make you stand out. It's like, oh, this person remembered me. Uh, one thing I do is I tell people I would like to be their friend. This has actually worked for me. Maybe not that many times, but it's worked. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I tell people I, like to, I would like to be your friend. You know, people want to hear that, you know, and just kind of blow your own cool, you know, in, in circumstances like that. Get phone numbers and follow up. Following up is a huge deal. Don't, don't be afraid to connect with somebody. It's not weird. Just be like, hey, I would like to connect with you sometime. You want to exchange contacts? You know, maybe in this area right here, that is something that people are accustomed to. Uh, you know, college students, it's not weird. It's like, what's up? What are you doing later? Let's hang out. But everybody else back here, it's like, uh, I don't know. Probably wouldn't ask you for your phone number. Um, but do it. What's the worst that could happen? And follow up. That's a huge deal. Ronnie was just telling our, uh, our track group on Tuesday. It's like, don't tell somebody you're going to text them and then not. That's horrible. But follow up. That's a big deal. And reach out to people that you haven't spoken to in a while. You know, follow up with somebody that, you know, you haven't spoken to them in a while. But as Ronnie would say, make the call. Send the text. You know, you don't know if that person has anyone else checking in on them. I urge you to sow abundantly. God will work in this. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. The next point is to sow intentionally. Also, I have no idea if I've been up here for an hour or like three minutes. I couldn't tell you. Um, Sow intentionally. First and foremost on this, I would just say uh, pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Uh, Pray for eyes to see. um, Prayer works. That's not cliche. You know, pray that God would renew your mind. Pray that God would give you wisdom. Those things work. So most of us have probably heard this illustration used here, but uh, you've also heard that repetition is the friend of the adult learner. And my most practical, practical here is to take relational inventory. Um, And this can seem weird um, if if you're not wanting to like formalize or structure the way that you relate to people. And if that's the case, you're probably going to be less effective if you're you're not wanting to be strategic about the way that you relate to people. So take a list of the people that you're wanting to or are currently ministering to and categorize this list. This is uh, the the illustration of the the burners that we've heard here from this pulpit before. Uh, But I found it helpful to kind of think of uh, the, the burners on a stovetop. So like the back burner, you can, you can put people in this category, and these are people that are not interested in spiritual conversations, can be difficult to get, get with, and may even be openly opposed to Christianity. We should pray for these people, that God would move them to repentance and that he would give you opportunities to minister to them. Be consistent to pursue these pe- people, but do so in an intentional manner. Remember that Jesus didn't call us to make homies, called us to make disciples. 
Now we've got the middle burner. These people may be nominally Christian, but not open to a discipleship type relationship or commitment to a church body. Pray that God would create convictions within them. Continue to be a consistent voice in their life and don't shy away from opportunities to call them into a deeper commitment to Christ. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who heeds wisdom's instruction." Then we have the front burner. These are people who are curious about God and maybe even pursuing you because they know that you're a Christian. They make themselves available and are willing to participate in a one-on-one study. So set up a regular time. Use the resources our church has to offer, like Focus on Jesus or Seeing Jesus, and study the Word of God together. Point these people to God and encourage them to surrender their lives to the Lordship of Christ. How much more rejoicing can you do with someone when they come to a saving faith in Christ if you were the person who was willing to ask them if they would want to study the Bible? Amen? You've seen them wrestle with the truth and come to believe it. This takes time. Making disciples, especially one-on-one discipleship, is very, very labor-intensive and time-consuming. But what could possibly be more worth it? For example, I'm studying the Bible with a 19-year-old young man right now. And I, you know, a poor boy from East Texas with no dad, you know, whose life was destined to be rubbish if left to the world, you know. I was saved by God, and now God is using me. And I can look at this young man and think, I'm playing a part in shaping him into a good godly friend or a a godly husband father or grandfather, Lord willing. What's better than that? Amen? All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Thank God for that. So that's all I have for you today. Obviously, one sermon cannot be exhaustive, and um, outreach is not exhilarating. (laughs) But if you're looking for an additional resource on this topic, I would definitely recommend reading uh, The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert E. Coleman. I'm sure many of you have read that in here. It's a good book. Um, And lastly, I just want to encourage you to, to sow abundantly and sow intentionally because Jesus is worth it. So pray with me. God, we love you. You are the true and the living God. Help us to put into action what we have learned from you today. I just pray a blessing over our our community, God, uh, that you would protect us from the evil one. We love you. Amen.